Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Good morning, beloved friends, and welcome back to our fourth stop along the way in our seven-week journey, exploring the rule of life called the Way of Love, the spiritual roadmap laid out by our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. Each week, we have been lifting up one of these seven elements, exploring what they might mean for us individually and for us as a faith community. So far, we have explored turn, learn, and pray. And today we move on to the fourth stop along the way, worship. And to start our time of reflection today, I want to offer up perhaps an unlikely companion to this spiritual marker on our journey. But bear with me. It is often referred to as, quote, the man in the arena, quote, and may sound familiar to some of you. It is part of a larger speech that was given by President Theodore Roosevelt in 1910. It has been used in many, many ways over the years in politics, in sports, and most recently by social researcher, writer, and faithful Episcopalian Brene Brown. But I suspect this might be the first time that it will be used to be a part of a reflection on the importance of worship in our spiritual lives. Listen to the quote. It is not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong one stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least fails while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. In Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she shares how this quote helps articulate the importance of her professional, personal, and spiritual life in three very specific ways. First, courage. How important it is to find ways to live her life in the arena, and it requires great courage. Second, vulnerability. How essential it is to remember life in the arena requires becoming vulnerable, 
It's not about winning or losing, but about showing up fully, even when we don't have all the answers. And finally, what she calls the inescapability of butt kicking. The certainty that when we do show up fully, we will without a doubt at times take a face plant or two and end up in the mud. She says there will always be those who simply sit in the bleachers ready to sling mud on those who are in the arena. Those who will never risk anything personally, but will criticize everything all the same. She calls those people Twitter thugs. She finds their words and way of being in the world not only unhelpful, but hurtful, and sometimes even powerful enough to cause doubt and shame and undermine the courage and vulnerability we need to move forward together. So for Brown, these two requirements, courage and vulnerability, and the one unavoidable reality of learning how to maneuver around Twitter thugs, and not become one ourselves, these things form the foundation of how Brown tries to live her life. So as I've been thinking and praying this week about the importance of worship in our lives, I think without too much of a stretch, we could say the same things apply for how we approach, encourage, engage, and offer worship at Trinity. Last week, your vestry and I approved the final, final, final version of the 2030 vision, a five-page, single-spaced, compelling narrative, two years in the making, offering a picture of who we believe we can grow into with God's help, serving and worshiping as followers of the way of love in the decade ahead. Here is a short excerpt from our vision describing worship. It is 2030. Weekly and special worship services continue to be the primary reflection and experience of Trinity's radical welcome. Through liturgy, we combine our reverence for our rich Episcopal tradition with an expansive modern expression of God's love. We offer open-armed hospitality, accessible theology, creative expression, and deep connection to God and to one another. We honor the liturgical seasons, exploring new ways to deliver the message of God's love through prayer, ritual, and music. We create our own additional texts and music as another way to welcome many. The sum of all our worship aims to offer an experience of God's unconditional love resonating through heart, soul, mind, and body. Today, we have many days and ways to gather and worship as a community. The 2020 pandemic pushed us from our worship comfort zone, and we have never looked back. We continue to grow and expand in membership and engagement through both in-person worship and Trinity at home. We take pride in welcoming, through our doors and our digital presence, people looking for a way to follow Jesus, to proclaim the good news, and all the while living into an expansive and expressive expression 
of progressive Christianity. So back to 2021, how does that generative picture of worship in 2030 relate to courage, vulnerability, and butt-kicking, or Twitter thugs? Well, I think it is fair to say that we don't have to look to 2030 to see the importance of worship in our lives today. Trinity is a beautiful collection of souls, and we bring a wide spectrum of experience when it comes to worship, and all are truly welcome. Some of us have been brought up flourishing within the parameters of our faith tradition, and many others have not. Collectively, we embrace a posture of intentionally recognizing and honoring that broad spectrum. Instead of requiring the conformity of belief, we advocate for the intentionality of belonging. Unity of spirit does not get conflated with uniformity of practice. We are mindful of the words, the texts, the music, and the prayers that we use, realizing that not everyone is going to be comfortable all the time. We have learned that showing up fully and consistently for worship means making room for each other and the stories of our lives while finding the courage to speak our truth, including the differences of our experience. Showing up fully has also required vulnerability and the willingness to be wrong or needing to choose again. We have added music, prayers, text, visual experiences, all in hopes of expanding and deepening and connecting our worship life with the reality of our lived experience every day. Over the past year and a half of online worship, we have explored this completely new format of what it means to pray and sing and learn together. It has touched many and has grown us as a community and at the same time, it is probably certainly disappointed some not meeting everybody's spiritual needs. Both are real responses and both are welcomed and understood. If this time over the past 482 days, who's counting, <laughs> since we have worshiped together face-to-face -face on a Sunday morning has taught me anything, it is that worship is a dynamic vehicle to grow us as followers of the way of love. And if we continue to be courageous and vulnerable, God will bless us richly. Trinity has done things we never have done before and could not have tried without courage and vulnerability and all the while knowing that we could never please everybody and might even garner a few butt kickings and a few Twitter thugs along the way. But hey, we find ourselves in good company when we turn to this morning's gospel. Today we have two perhaps seemingly disconnected stories. First, what some scholars have called the rejection of Jesus at home and then immediately followed by the calling and the sending of the 12 disciples. I think it's worth noting from the start that the gospel writer of Mark was pretty courageous themselves to include these stories. 
Other storytellers might have omitted these texts, fearing it would make Jesus look kind of bad and weak. But I think it was intentional and necessary so that we could see Jesus's courage and humanity through being vulnerable himself. Jesus has gone back home and does not get any kind of a warm and fuzzy welcome. This is where we get the phrase, never a prophet in your own land. Rather than recognizing the power of his ministry to date, he's met by some Twitter thugs. They see nothing good when they look at this boy they knew years before, now all grown up. All they can see is a hometown boy who's made it big and maybe has grown a little too big for his britches, as my grandma used to say. They are either unable or unwilling to celebrate what is good and holy and powerful about Jesus' ministry to date. They are Twitter thugs for sure. Trapped in their comparisons and complaints, they are definitely not in the arena with Jesus and are not remotely interested in receiving his blessing, let alone sharing in his ministry. Even Jesus seems to be flustered by their reaction, but rather than engage their negativity, he shakes off the dirt of his sandals and moves on staying focused on his primary call. This feels like a turning point in the narrative to me and a good noticing for us when we think about worship. While the text does not tell us, I wonder what it took for Jesus to simply hear their critique and then choose to move forward nonetheless. I don't know about you, but there have been many times since we started Trinity at Home when I have struggled to keep going week after week with this way of worshiping together. It takes a village of courageous people stretching themselves beyond our comfort zones. But we have made this choice together for the right reasons. And I think as a community, we have done what Jesus would have wanted us to do if we were in his story today. Jesus seemed to be laser focused on the good and the holy and cultivates the courage that it takes to resolve how you find a way to keep moving forward, even in your own doubts. Jesus was rejected by those who knew him, and at times we will too, claiming an identity as a progressive, inclusive, creative, worshiping community. But through this narrative, Jesus says we should keep going, so why not? Being challenged or ignored or criticized or rejected may always be a possibility in our lives and as a worshiping community but it does not need to be the reality that defines the path that we walk together. And this is why I am so grateful for the second part of this morning's lesson from the Gospel of Mark. In the second half of today's story, Jesus chooses and sends the disciples. He sends them out two by two. This is when and how Jesus equips and commissions his disciples to carry on his ministry. They are, for the first time, called to be active partners in Jesus' ministry, and it is here that we too are invited to do the same both in our lives and in our worship. So how does he send them, and what are they charged to do? 
His instructions depend on courage and vulnerability. They are told to go out in pairs. Always good advice today as well as back then, and to take nothing for their journey, but rather to watch and listen for the people and the places that will welcome them. So we too are called to watch and listen and find the people for whom how we worship will touch their soul and help them follow the way of love. Worship gifts us an invitation to courageously gather in ways that feel authentic to us, reminding us to live with God at the center of our lives. Worship also gifts us an invitation to be vulnerable, at times speaking our truth in love, trusting God's power to transform our lives. So let's keep walking the way of love, my dear ones, looking for those holy cairns, those markers along the way that help us recognize and remember that we are God's beloved, turning every day towards an expression of love, learning how our lives and stories connect to the ancient wisdom of our tradition, praying with the intention of privileging the divine for even just a moment every day in our lives, and then worshiping together again and again and again in oh so many ways as we move along this way of love, because wherever two or three are gathered, their love is in the midst of us. May it be so. <laughs>